0: Ladies, gentlemen, pimps in between, as one Daniel Finton would say, welcome back to the Arsenal Cannon Podcast. Uh, It is episode 192. All right. Um, Rob is nodding along. We're here to talk about our 2 1 win over Wolves, another win that sees us go clear, obviously, after Man City's third consecutive draw yesterday. It was a good weekend for us. That's saying Spurs got a great result. That's obviously a bit of a downer. But when you look at it more, you know, in the broader context of the season, see, you're going to be closer to us. So it's a great result. Here to discuss the the game against Wolves, and maybe we'll look ahead to Luton. don't know if we'll get time, uh, which is tomorrow. Tight turnaround. Uh, is the man with a versatile name, Rob Bob Bert, Bertie. Man, I so like to cool. Declan
1: Rice. Uh, he's got a rice shirt in the background.
0: Rob, what are you saying?
1: Uh, good to be here, Alf. Um, yeah, a, a good weekend. don't know if we'll have time to speak about Luton, but you're right, very very tight turnaround. It's always quite enjoyable, this, this little period coming up to Christmas when you have so much football going on. Obviously, we've had the Champions League and now it's just going to be very intense Premier League-wise. Um, So yeah, a good win at the weekend, which I'm really looking forward to talking about because I think a lot of the things we've sort of been speaking about in the last few weeks, which have been frustrations, sort of turned into really positive things on the day. So yeah, really uh, excited to talk about that.
0: Yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed this performance and I was at the game um, and a bit of a weird sort of atmosphere because it was so, so cold. Like felt like the crowd just almost couldn't be asked. They were just desperately trying to stay warm, sort of create a a bit of an atmosphere. Wolves tried some dead chant for about ten minutes, then gave up. Um, But yeah,
1: it was. I thought on the on the on the TV, it sounded a bit better than it has been lately. Well, it wasn't like bad.
0: It just wasn't like absolutely popping. Um, But I mean, the mood was really good. It just wasn't like the loudest we've heard it. I had the opportunity to sit in row one because I got a ticket on row one in on Ticket Exchange right behind the goal. So it could have been on TV, but my dad took it in the end. He sat row one. He said it was pretty cool. Um, but I was sitting from the high vantage point of row nine. And yeah, I really, really enjoyed aspects of this performance. And we'll get into that. I wanted to start, sort of subvert our normal narrative structure of these podcasts I starting with the explosive moment and the reason why I'm just going to give my explosive ma- moment my explosive moment is Zinchenko giving the ball away leading to the Mate- to Matthias Cunha goal which made it a lot more nervy than it should have been based on the balance of play the reason is my explosive moment is that it's just so frustrating because it allowed the narrative around the game to change. It went from being sort of this was a really convincing Arsenal performance, loads of good attacking aspects, um, to oh, they've ground out a narrow, nervy win and they were, you know, backs to backs to the wall in the last sort of five minutes and we had to throw on Jorginho and Kivior and play a back five. And it kind of changed the narrative and it also allowed people to creep in their sort of worries about Zinchenko, which I understand again. So, for me, that was the explosive moment because it was so frustrating because it it, tightly, it slightly took a sort of shine off what I felt was generally a, a very good performance and good day for us. Um, yeah, so Rob, I'll give you your explosive moment before we do the other stuff.
1: Yeah, I I think it's quite apt that, uh, that you brought that up because as you sort of said there, I think you hit the nail on the head, it was a narrative changer. It meant that, everyone sort of left the stadium feeling a little bit different and everyone speaking on social media instead of, you know, waxing lyrical about the wonderful attacking play we saw in the first half. The discourse is just dominated by a Zinchenko mistake. And, you know, there's a a lot of... I don't know if it's like unjustified, but there there is a lot of discourse around uh, Zinchenko because he does make mistakes. He's that kind of player. But as you regularly say, Alfie, we're, we're a much better attacking side with him in the team. Um, so it, it's one of those difficult balances to, to make. You know, the, even against Brentford last week, he made the mistake. But as I said, I, I didn't mind too much because he made up for it. But it was his mistake again. And it is becoming a bit of a theme. And... It's the sort of thing that, as much as Arteta might gloss over it in his post-match interviews, he will hate it, because he's a control freak, and having players like that does sort of put your control of the game at risk a little bit, and it did exactly that at the weekend, and just the main thing, it was the narrative changer. So. As much as I would love to say, um, you know, scoring early was the explosive moment, which I think it probably would be if we hadn't conceded um, in this match. I, th- I think it would have been. It was really nice to see us open the scoring really early on, um, but this has to be it because it it is what I think an explosive moment is representative of, of. You know what then occurs after the match in terms of what people are talking about, and I think. Sadly, on what was a really good day of attacking football, this did dominate the discourse.
0: Yeah, it was a shame. It was a shame. And I know um, LT Arsenal, he's been uh, very much uh, on the sort of, I wouldn't say anti-Zinchenko train, but he sort of pushed this Zinchenko narrative a lot. And I've sort of responded to that a lot of times on this podcast. Um, and I still think it's overblown. Like he he completed nine I think it was something like 76 of 80 passes or something. It was like 95% of his passes. Uh so it's not like he was giving the ball away in terrible areas. The, th- the thing about him is he's got this midfielder's brain, so he acts like a midfielder in possession in a lot of places and a lot of the time that works because he is often in midfield positions but occasionally when he's in a sort of area where a defender would not take that sort of sort of really calm approach where it's almost verging on sort of lackadaisical um, and risky and you can't give the ball away there he'll take that approach because he's got a midfielder's brain when he just needs to you know play at five meters to the left or there was there was someone in space he probably could have found quickly but he tries to overplay because he's got that brain and that sort of piece of play you can get away with in midfield but when you're you know in a left back position um and there's several Wolves players in forward areas that's very risky uh and it's just frustrating because it does take the shine off the result but also his performance which I thought was generally pretty excellent um and I think he's just so pivotal to the team and that's why I'll never get behind the idea that we should be getting rid of him or get taking him out of this team because I just don't think there's a player we can like Tommy Asu at left back he has his qualities but we we massively lose out in terms of all the ball progression stuff and I think the Newcastle game showed that a bit um I do think you know there isn't a player who can bring that same ball progression from that area that he can and I think without and we struggle maybe Jurian Timber is that player but obviously we've been robbed of seeing that this season
1: yeah I I think that's probably the the talking point within it like we've seen over the last uh, year really Peppers started using centre backs in these inverted roles and he sort of has that luxury because he has players like um, John Stones and Akanji can do it as well Um, they're just you know these guys are freaks, and, and Timber was, was supposed to be that guy for us, but Kivios tried it. He's never really convinced tucking in. Maybe it's something that he'll develop as he gets older, but apart from that, we haven't... And then, obviously, Tommy can do it, but isn't the best at it. Um, so we haven't really seen a centre-back do that for us, and I think for these managers in an ideal world, maybe you would have a centre-back doing that because of the 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 sort of quality that they can provide in duels, um, if if especially if a mistake like that is made, like um, centre backs do have the physical prowess to win the ball back, whereas Zinchenko doesn't really. And I think for him, it's it's just where, as you say, Alfred, it, it's where he's doing this stuff that he just needs to think about a little bit more. Uh, yeah, a little bit more thoroughly. Like, it tends to happen when he's actually in a left-back position. And that that doesn't just account for where he was at the weekend. That's sort of the entirety of the left-hand channel um, sort of going up to the halfway line, I want to say. I mean, that's sort of the position where he lost it against Brentford. And, you know, it's weird because he is a left-back, but it's probably the area of the pitch where he is most vulnerable and perhaps even less least comfortable um but yeah it's 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 just a balancing act and it'll be really interesting to see if if and when uh timber comes back how, how he's recovered and whether he'd be able to to do that role but i think even in the limited mi- minutes we we saw from from timber um even he wasn't at that same level as in as Zinchenko of of being able to play in midfield and drift all across the pitch and play those incisive passes and even drift over to the right and find Bukayo Saka in nice spaces. I mean that's a really lovely trait that that Zinchenko has. I don't don't think anyone would be able to quite do it to his level. Then the question is is whether you really need that level because obviously Pep's moved away from it. He had Cancelo there and he's decided for a little bit less quality in there and a bit more defensive quality. Do you really need that brilliant technician? But I think, you know, when you're playing football as well as we did in the first half and Zinchenko playing an important role in that, um, yeah, it makes it very difficult to want to move away from that because he, he adds so much in, a, in an attacking sense.
0: Yeah, and is it like the few issues that we're talking about here? I don't even think like the issues have been like his defensive ability recently. Like I think he, I spoke about in the last podcast, I think it was, I think he'd been pretty good in that aspect. Uh, it's it's just concentration issues and, and and having that sort of midfielder's brain in defensive positions that's costing him. And I don't think he's going to change. Like he's just, that he's got that mindset and he will take these risks. But like generally it doesn't, cost us in terms of we have the best defence in the league and that's with him as part of it and like he he completes most of his passes he doesn't turn the ball over very often it just is occasionally in bad positions and it costs us it's kind of like a Thomas Partey thing which he did a bit towards the end of last season in particular Um, and the reason that explosive moment was so frustrating is because as I've touched on this was a really good performance and like it was not close. Like we had th- the the things that we've been talking about, really wanting to see more incision, getting into the box, getting more shots off. You know, b- playing more sort of penetrative. You know, quick combinations in and around the box. You think of the first goal, like Saka forcing that ball into Jesus, Jesus, Jesus being able to hold it up rather than just sort of these wall passes going backwards and stuff like that. We had loads of these aspects that we've been talking about, and it resulted in. Nineteen shots, which I think was our most this season. Three point four xg with no penalties. Um, you no, know, we had great chances in this game, and the, the thing is, I th- I feel like we did. We basically were brilliant in the first sort of half an hour, and then we didn't really do anything between like the thirtieth minute and like seventy fifth minute. Like it was very much we allowed Wolves a bit more possession. Wolves came back into it. And then we had like a couple of massive chances towards the end. But we did have that period where we didn't do much, which sort of shaded uh the performance a little bit. But what I'd say is the fact that we were we actually produced half an hour of brilliant football. Maybe we, we, we can't go full throttle or ninety minutes yet. But the fact we produced half an hour of brilliant football and then you more big chances at the end when the game became a bit more stretched is is encouraging for me. So yeah. Any any good stuff you want to build on in terms of the attacking elements of the performance, Rob?
1: Yeah, I, I, I have a. I think we'll see a lot of performances like like that this season with the congested fixture list, especially playing European football, and then heading into Christmas. Um, I think this is. It was probably. Until we conceded, it was pretty much as ideal as it could have been for Mikel Arteta. You grab your two early goals and then you just control the fuck out of the game. Um, we did that both off the ball and with the ball at times. Start of the second half, we were much better than we were in the sort of dying embers of, of the first half. We had a lot more of the ball. Um, and then even when Wolves had the ball, they, they generated nothing really. Mateus Cunha is a really good little player and he caused caused problems um, but a- apart from that they they didn't really generate anything of note um, and I think for me the the best of the good stuff because there was so much good stuff was it was Martin Erdegaard it, it was what we called for last week which was more variety from him and that's exactly what we got um, instead of just combining on that right hand side with Bukayo he played a a, a sort of a a role in orchestra in the entire performance. He was dropping into lovely deep positions, which is something that sort of I thought he'd be able to do for for a very long time. Um, but not not only that, the ways in which he was looking to create chances was was much more variable. We saw two just audacious slip passes in behind, both to Trossard and Eddie, which both players should have done better with. Um, and just, just little things like that, different ways of accessing the box. Um, I think that's what made the weekend so in- enjoyable for me. That The fact that when we were approaching the box, it, it wasn't just always going to be shifted out to Martinelli or Saka. There was the real opportunity for... Erdegaard to play with much more freedom and I think like it's something that Clive has, has spoken about a lot um when Arsenal play really well in an attacking sense it, it tends to be the case that that Martin Erdegaard plays very well and just everything was it was coming we have highlighted that exact quote so many times Yeah year. yeah it's, it's it like should be one of the bingo of, things
0: Yeah it's the perfect
1: representation of yeah. it Yeah but it, it really was at the weekend. Everything was coming off for him, and yeah, you just hope that heading into a, a busy period, he, he's turned a bit of a corner because it, it felt like that that kind of performance. We we haven't seen a guard like that all season, I don't think.
0: Yeah, and and throughout these weeks when we've been talking about our tech maybe not fully clicking, we've been hypothesising relentlessly that maybe it is literally just a personnel issue um, rather than like it just struggled to we've we basically forgotten how to attack when we were such a good attacking team last season and I think this week shows that the Lons game and this game Lons game brilliant for the first 45 minutes and then we just sharp shot basically controlled the second half similar in this game raced into that 2-0 lead first half an hour excellent and as you said Odegaard quote when we've got a fully fit Odegaard or I think it's Clearly been carrying a knock who f- feels a bit more trust in his body. I think he did in this game um, after that knock. And who is absolutely at his best and firing. We become a good attacking team all of a sudden. And along with Gabriel Jesus as that focal point. Um, you saw how instrumental he is in the goal, in the first goal. I'm not sure Eddie provides that um, bit of hold-up play and, and link-up with with uh, Saka and Tomiyasu. And also the second goal, is perfect uh, 1-2 with Zinchenko. So I think maybe the fact that, that, you know, maybe it is just personnel. Maybe we are going to find a, you know, start to click a bit more. Um, And I think both the wide players look much better. Martinelli, much better with Jesus on the pitch. Saka, much better with Odegaard at his best. One of those sort of combinations that that was pivotal when Odegaard and Saka were at their sort of best last season and even the season before some of the combination play is that sort of Saka drive inside, play it to Odegaard and then Odegaard plays it back to him in in sort of into the space and the half space, you know, the sort of pass I'm talking about. Um, That's like a fundamental way, kind of like how we made the first goal. It's a fundamental way in which we try and get in behind with the Saka Odegaard 1-2 and we saw a lot of that. Even there was quite a few Odegaard attempts for that, which didn't come off. Um, but the fact he was attempting those passes again was good. But, you know, that pass was on again. And that's something we've missed this season.
1: But well, what, 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 was... Yeah, okay. I was going to ask, what did you make about the, the sort of dropping deep? I mean, 13 progressive passes for Odegaard is, is pretty out of this world, especially, okay. I mean, generally for an eight, it is exceptional. I thought dropping in between the lines, adding a bit of technical quality next to Rice, something really incisive with his passing, was a lovely addition, and I thought he was much better at it uh, at the weekend than he was in, in midweek. Yeah, I mean...
0: So, I I had... I saw... Sorry, I was just getting up, FB ref. Um, impressive passes. Yeah, this has... FB ref has Martin Odegaard with 21 progressive passes.
1: <laughs> really? Wow. Because yeah. that's what Scott had him at only 13. Yeah. Um, I mean, which I is, think, uh, which is still ridiculous. But also terrible. one point one point nine expected assists. Like... 1.9 expected assists, 21 progressive passes,
0: uh, eight shot creating actions, six key passes. Yeah. He still passed 87% or 86%. He was everywhere. And, I saw uh, Statsbomb released. Uh, I think he made thirteen line-breaking passes, which is more than any other Premier League player in a single game this season. Um, and I mean that—that that shows that he was de- dropping deep to progress the ball. But a lot of those line-breaking passes were also behind the back line of wolves, and he was getting players in behind constantly. It's exactly the Martin Odegaard we need and it's the the player that was like the best player, one of the best players in the Premier League last season. Um, Still managed two shots as well and scored a goal. So like, we saw some of that box crashing um, again that we haven't seen as much of. Just brilliant. And I thought Saka was excellent as well. Saka had loads of touches. He was the outlet on the right-hand side. Um, And, you know, we we spoke about our left pod can be better but we know that the right pod is where our, the most of our threat can come and when our right pod was on it I thought last week that we missed Ben White and his overlapping but Tommy Asu has taken that mantle in the last two games and, and proved me on and been excellent in that aspect so yeah just really good in that sense and yeah any more individual performances or anything else you want to touch on in terms of good stuff
2: um
1: I thought all over the pitch, everything just, just clicked really, really nicely. Um, I I just think the big thing was that we we had someone, even if it was just one player, and that was obviously Erdegaard in this game, but Trossard had a good moment, should have done better with his big chance. But we just had players all o- over the pitch adding stuff, and it feels like Recently, we've been like, oh, we need the wingers to do more. We need the wingers to do more. It's much easier for the wingers to do more when, as we've been alluding to, there's distractions elsewhere when Erdegaard is absolutely purring and defenders are like, holy shit, who's going to go mark him? When we have a player of Trossard's capabilities, when we have Jesus linking up play and taking risks in his link up to to the level he was, it was just all very pleasing and, of course... I've already mentioned a couple of times the fast start. Um, yeah, that has to be up there as, as one of the the good things too. If if we can if we can play like this more often, if we can if we can get um, the the early goals or you know first half goals, I think the whole uh, control narrative being a bit boring, no one will really care about because the it the control will feel much more comfortable.
0: Absolutely and I don't know, I was just I was really excited watching that first half I was like this is the level that we've been hoping to reach I think we maybe sacrificed a little bit defensively compared like we were still very secure I think 0.8 xg against um but like that's slightly more than we have been um and maybe we we've widened the variance a little bit kind of like Liverpool have this season um yeah, it was a return to what we saw a lot of last season, and I was happy to see that. Any canon concerns, particularly? I, don't, I feel like we should always do this. We spoke about the
1: Zinchenko thing. Um, yeah, I think that that is, you know, coming away from game. The game that's the main one. Um, I think aside that, obviously, Tommy going down was was concerning uh it's never something you'd like to see there's been a lot of sort of mixed reports in the aftermath of it about whether it's a genuine muscle issue or if it was ju- just fatigue Arteta attributed it to fatigue in the uh, after the match but other reports have said he's, he's due a scan so yeah I mean it's not nice because uh I think you know, in an, in an ideal world, perhaps Arteta, as he has done recently, hooks in Chenko at seventy, chucks Tommy at left back, puts White at right back, and we, we don't concede in that game. It just does um hinder our flexibility at the back a bit and not to mention the fact that Tommy has just been incredible recently. As as you say, Alf, he's He's added an attacking dimension to his game that we haven't seen from him at all since his, his first season at the club. Um, you know, some of his his deliveries that that cross and we didn't manage to get an extra cannon podcast out, but I would have talked about that cross which Havertz almost concerned, uh, um, converted. It was just brilliant. Um, and then uh, not really a concern, but annoying that Jesus missed the open goal. <laughs> That's about it. I mean, it was
0: Jesus' big chance missed. as, you know, death taxes and t- death taxes and that. Um, yeah, I I would have a few minor canon concerns. It's nitpicking to an extent, but we've always got to retain the balance. One of them, I'd say, Trossard as a left date. I feel like it's something I've been pushing for. A lot because i see like the value you can add to us in the final third i think some of the sort of rotations with martinelli worked well he also is doing the sort of joining jesus as the second striker striker and he you know he had i think he had five shots in this game and like two big chances or three big chances something like that so he was really you know a goal threat i think we lose a little bit in the sort of deeper areas and midfield areas and i think it's I think it's like almost the physical aspects of the game. Like he really, really worked hard in a lot of the jewels, and he was racing back and picking up second balls, but they were sort of he didn't quite have the physical ability to dominate those jewels and, and sort of get involved in them and retain possession. A lot of it was like getting on, like putting something out and booing out play to like drop, uh, stop a second ball falling to wolves. I feel like, in some of those aspects, you can see why Havertz still provides that value in, in those aspects in the sort of more midfieldery um, things. And I think in bigger games, I could see why Trossard as a left, a won't be necessarily seriously considered.
1: Um, what did you think I, I'm, not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure Trossard will ever sort of be first choice there. I think it's a really nice sort of luxury option we have. And especially whilst he's in form, like, um, it's important that that we use him, and I think he adds a really nice sort of technical level t- to the team that Havertz just doesn't. He uh, as a big big guy, he he struggles with the technical stuff a bit more than than Trossard does. Um, but yeah, I think having someone who's naturally a forward playing in midfield, and I suppose you can say the same for Havertz. Like he received a ball with his back to goal, and he. Didn't like it in a deep area. And Trossard, you can, you can see, doesn't like having the ball really deep. I think there was a moment in the first half where he was basically in our box, and it was like a bit of panic because you're like, this is this is our this is our left wing understudy, and he's trying to sort of help us escape the press by neatly passing it about. And it's not not really where you want a player like that. He just doesn't have. Like with Zinchenko, he doesn't have the natural like risk aversion um, that, that a defender does. Um, so I, I think it will always be sort of these... It's interesting that he played against Brentford. I think that was perhaps more to do with the meritocracy and the fact that he needed to keep his spot. Um, but yeah, I think it will be in these games at home that we're expected to win that, that we'll see Trossard there more often. And I, I agree. I think that Howard adds much more um defensive value than um Chossard. Yeah, I mean
0: I I agree in against low blocks you can see where he can provide value in terms of joining Jesus as a second striker and and being that goal threat and combining with Martinelli. And you know, in this game it worked. He, you know, we had 3.8 xG, he had 0.8 himself. So he was a big contributor to that great attacking performance. It is just in the midfield areas. And maybe I spoke about being slightly more vulnerable defensively. Maybe that was a contributing factor to that. You just feel like he won't get picked in that role in certain, certain areas. And and I've been looking for someone to really take this position this season and make it their own. And I look at Chaucer. I don't think, I think he's not, he's not the player who's going to take that position. He's a player who could be a favorable option in that position depending on the game state and, and the opposition and, and stuff like that.
1: Uh, yeah, I think it's it's a, bit, a little bit sad because like well, not sad, but I think there's a real opportunity here for either one of Haberts and Trossard to really grab this role role and make it their own because as we saw at the weekend, like the dynamics have flipped a little bit in, in this in in the midfield. We've got Erdegaard now playing this and it's not the first time we've, we've seen him play this slightly um, deeper role. Uh, we, we've seen it in the Champions League a few times and this is one of the first time we've, we've seen it work really, really well and it's really nice to see it in the league. And I think that that dynamic change makes the left A able to really play as the second striker as we sort of saw with Erdegaard at, at the start of the season. Um, so, you know, you can see why Havertz has been brought in, everyone who knows anything about football has basically said that Havertz would be perfect for a second striker role his entire career Um, so hopefully this comes to fruition at some point and we really see him banging in the goals there Um, but yeah um, I think it's only a matter of time until someone really grabs it because it could be a a really fun role, a good goal scoring role Um, and yeah I like like that uh, we've sort of changed the midfield dynamics a little bit and we've got guard a bit deeper I've always thought he's had that in him yeah and I was I
0: think you put it in the chat before the game I was a little bit surprised when Havertz didn't start because so I was like you want to continue this positive momentum that he started to build then I was like looking at the sort of more logical thing in terms of rotations and you know Chossard played full 90 against Brentford Havertz played what 12 minutes off the bench or something then Havertz played a full ninety a midweek. Chossard didn't play, so it sort of made sense in terms of rotating the squad. Um, but also, I think Arteta doesn't want to just hand Havertz that position because he he made it had a good cameo and then a good performance against uh, against Lons. He wants him to sort of continue to you know showing more and more before he really gets his run in that role again, um, which I like because. Trossard's shown so many times with the bench, and you know, it is that meritocracy thing. Um, yeah, my other minor canon concern was and it feels harsh because I feel like we always just pick on him, but it's Eddie and Ketia, and it's more generally the fact that I think we just lose so much off when when Jesus comes out of the team. It's so it's more of a uh, sort of acknowledgement of how good Jesus is than a digger Eddie. Um, And I feel like that would be less of an issue if Arteta showed more of a willingness to go to Trossard or Havertz down the middle. But it's so clear that he sees Eddie as the second option. And I just like, I I feel like we lost stuff when he came off. And I'm not even, I'm not annoyed at the chance, to be honest, because, you know, players can miss chances. And he's, you know, if he's like an inch the other side of that post then it's yeah, it. He's, he's it, and he didn't punch
1: everything right there. Like, yeah yeah he, he didn't do
0: it. He didn't take the chance in the wrong way, like he took it well and you know, as he's inches. So I'm not really that annoyed about that missed chance. It's more about the other aspects of this game. You could feel it in the stadium. He was just so slow to second balls he his pressing was weird. Just couldn't couldn't hold on to the ball anywhere near as well as, as Jesus and it just you just feel like you've lost threat soon as he comes off jesus and we know jesus can be susceptible to these injuries so yeah my my canon concern is what happens when jesus doesn't play and we've seen it all season the 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 floor really drops when eddie has to come in
1: yeah i think i'm gonna move my concern away from eddie i think that we know um everything that Eddie is. We, we, we're broken records talking about him in this way. I th- I, th- I think it's more Arteta persisting with it. It's weird. I mean, you can't really knock Arteta for much as a manager, but this persistence with Eddie and Kessia is is strange. He, he has never been a striker who has been able to give Arteta everything he wants from his centre forward, and he's always, you know... Feels harsh to say, but he has always been responsible for dropping the 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 floor of this team. Uh, we 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 are just it's it's a fact. We are attacking wise. We are nowhere near as good when he starts, and we are closer to where we are with Jesus when we have Trossard playing up front. Or you know we saw it in the Community Shield. The sample size is tiny, but with Havertz we looked pretty good. So it's just a strange one and Arteta has always loved Eddie and he he speaks about how how hard he works in training all the time and you know I'm sure it's true I'm sure Eddie does work incredibly hard this is his boyhood club and he's desperate to be a success here but if the player doesn't fit you can't just keep you know trying to make it work trying trying to force it Um, you know we've seen it with 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 other players that, and he's been more ruthless with other players we've seen Aaron Ramsdale get dropped when he had a, a perfectly good season whereas Eddie has consistently shown that he's not quite good enough to be a, a proper striker option in this club and he gets chance after chance It clearly he really likes Eddie but yeah it, it feels like this we're way beyond the, the sell by date here and it, it just needs to this dependence on him uh, it needs to go away,
0: <laughs> and I do feel like, like how many other clubs are talking about their second choice striker this much? I don't, I don't. But that, that, that's
1: like, part of the price of having an injury prone striker. Uh, that's like, what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, like, if if our first choice striker was available uh, to the amount that we want him to be, I don't think we'd be talking anywhere near about this because Eddie, as a second choice striker in the grand scheme of things, is pretty good. Uh, it, it almost feels to me kind of like Kieran Tierney at left back, and obviously a good player with his strengths. But stylistically, what we lose from taking out Zinchenko, it would have been uh, to going to that second choice is is too big a, 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 a an altercation. Uh, alter. We have to make too many alterations to our system, and we lose too much in terms of our attacking threat for it to not be at least a slight issue. Um, and again, if, if he showed that he was willing to play someone like Havertz or Chossard Tra- over him down the middle, then I think we'd be even less, you know, concerned about this, but it is a minor concern because we're top of the league and we're top of our group and, you know, it's not costing us, is it? But it is something I'd like to see us address. And uh, and, and that's
1: what, that's what Arteta would respond with. It's not costing us. Uh, and, and also Eddie scored goals this season. Uh, I'd caveat that by saying he's scored a hat-trick against the worst Premier League team of all time. Um but um he's not costing us. But it, it just it just feels like it's a matter of time until it is costing us. And we when we need him and we're starting him consistently the goals do start to dry up. That literally happened last February or what whatever when the goals started to dry up for Eddie. So yeah, just just I hope that He's still very open-minded when it comes to uh, who he selects when, Eddie, when Gabriel Jesus isn't fully fit.
0: Yeah, and I don't think it, like I'm. I don't think it'll cost us, or we'll be concerned it if Jesus does manage to stay fit for the rest of the season. Um, but yeah, I've got a head off in a sec. Uh, so we'll draw this bad boy to a close. If there's anything else you want to add, Rob, it's been a short one but we're under time constraints today, no? Uh, I guess marketing opportunity of a lifetime
1: then. Uh, I, I promised you, ladies and gentlemen, an article last week and I didn't deliver. Uh, and I can't say I'm going to promise it this week, but I've got Christmas holidays coming up now, so there'll be a, a, a few coming up from, from me on We Love You Arsenal before the end of the year. Um, I'll just say keep an eye out for uh, a midweek pod from us. I don't know if it'll be an ACP or an ECP because we're doing the usual thing of having to sort of run towards the the big 200 so we can do a drunk car. So uh, it'll we probably actually, be an ACP. Much, yeah, we don't have
0: much time left now, so we yeah. need
1: to cram them in. Yeah, so look forward to another ACP this week, probably Arsenal Canon Cannon podcast. And uh, yeah, leave a review and, and thanks for listening as always.
0: Yeah, hopefully we, we get that. Uh, out on Wednesday I'd hope I think I can do that uh, so yeah look out for that be, it will be an ACP because we need to get to 200 um, and yeah Rob thank you very much for joining me uh, we need a song
1: um...
0: the last time we beat Wolves I remember it was this time last season match day 14 it was the last game before the World Cup of course Wolves, yeah we did Wolves by Kanye <laughs>
1: Okay, we're gonna have to do the same again. We're, if, we, if we're nothing, if we're not consistent. Oh, all right. Well, <laughs> leave that to you,
0: your editing. All
1: right. Yeah. All right. Uh, See you later, bye. ladies and gentlemen. Goodbye.
3: You gotta let me know if I could be your Joseph Only tell you real shit That's the T, no sip Don't trip, don't trip That pussy slippery, know it We ain't tripping on shit We just sipping on this Just forget the whole shit We could laugh about nothing I impregnate your mind Let's have a baby without fucking yo I know it's corny bitches You wish you could unfollow I know it's corny niggas You wish you could unswallow I know it's corny bitches bitches, you You wish you could unfollow I know it's corny niggas You wish you could could unswallow. Ay, I know it's corny bitches you wish you could unfollow. I know it's corny niggas you wish you could unswallow. You tried to play nice, everybody just took advantage. You left your fridge open, somebody just took a sandwich. I said, baby, what if you was clubbing, thugging, hustling before you met your husband? Then I said, what if Mary was in the club? But she met Joseph around hella thugs, nori and Lamb's Wool. We surrounded by the fucking wolves What if Mary 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 was in the club club, But she met Joseph with no love Cover Saint and Lamb's Wolf We surrounded surrounded by the fucking wolves